listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. You may be seated. Good morning, church. It is always too good to be in the house of the Lord. And today... Uh, we're beginning a brand new series, and I really was missing Galatians this week after 20 weeks in that book, and so today we're going to begin a brand new series. It's going to take us about nine weeks, and we have called this one Pursuit of Wisdom. And so for June, we're going to jump into the book of Proverbs. We'll be in Proverbs for the entire month of June, and July will consist of Wisdoms from Psalms. So this morning we're going to jump into the very first thing, the very look at the first proverb. But what I need to do, I need to kind of set some foundational work just to make sure because it is so different than anything else. And kids, you're going to need to help me out on this. Uh, We ended the uh, Bethel Kids Life Group. It was great to hear them. They've learned all the books of the Old Testament. So kids, how many books in the Bible? 66, it's divided into two sections. One is the the Old, and one is the New. How many books in the Old Testament? (coughs) More than five. 39, and then 27 in the New Testament. And it's broken up into all these different kind of categories. So, for instance, New Testament. You've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and they're narratives. That they tell a story, and you can follow that story in order. We have the Acts of the Apostles. You have the Epistles. You have Paul that wrote most of them, the Pauline Epistles, like Romans and First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Some he wrote from prison, and some he wrote from other areas. And then we've got the general epistles, like James, First and Second Peter, First and Second and Third John. And each one, it's got its own uh, variation of literature. And then we have Revelation. Well, in the Old Testament, it's very similar. You've got the Law or the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And all those are collecting these writings of Moses. Then you get into history, a few history buffs, books like Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel. And you know, they also tell stories and, and you can follow along with them. You get to the prophets. The major prophets such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, and those little minor prophets we often forget about, Hosea, Amos, and, and Joel. But there's this section in the Old Testament called um, the, the poetry, the wisdom literature. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, your favorite, Song of Solomon. And, uh, but today, we're going to go to Proverbs. But it's, it's unlike any other book in the Bible. So we just finished up Galatians. It's, it's so fun to, to teach and to study through a book of the Bible because you begin at verse 1 and they build on each other. Each verse might refer back to this and they'll say this again, but they're also tied into historical context. And so we studied through Galatians. Remember when we were talking about was Paul with the Jerusalem Council? You could go back to Acts 13 and, and 14 and it was grounded in actual historical events. 
Well, Proverbs is nothing like that. It, it's a collection of sayings. So take maybe your grandmother, for instance. There's two ways you could tell me about her. You could begin and you could, you know, she was born here. This is where she grew up. And you could tie to some historical settings. Or if you had a grandmother like Marla's, she was just full of sayings. And I could sit down and start rattling off to you. I didn't know her as much, near as much as Marla did. But I could still remember her saying, don't do what everybody else is doing. Do what you know is right. And I'm thinking, I'm a 22-year-old man, Maman. But she had these things. Or, you know what? It's okay. They can get glad in the same panties they got mad in. Now, I don't really. But so that was Maman. So that's two ways. I could tell you all about her, her life. But they also are just full of these sayings. But here's some, and you can help me with these. Don't bite off more than you can chew. Haste makes waste. Leave well enough. Yeah. A man is known by the company he keeps. You can't lead a horse to water. You can't lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Clothes don't make the man. Don't put all your eggs in. Or how about absence makes the heart grow fonder? So this is Proverbs. Proverbs is a collection of statements that are expressing general truths or kind of general principles. But there are exceptions to these truths. For instance, we have one that says the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And we know people that seem like carbon copies of their parents. And generally speaking... That's going to be true. But we all know people, you may be one of them, that you're nothing like your parents. And so the apple did fall very far from that tree. Or what about you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Generally speaking, that's true. But in some cases, you know, if, if you are determined enough, you probably can teach that old dog something new. Well, Proverbs is really no different. Proverbs 15, 22, let me give you an example. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. So generally speaking, I mean, that is a great principle. If you're needing to make a decision, you seek counsel. But it doesn't mean that just because you asked three people and they gave you the same opinion, that it's going to be the right advice. It means your plans might still fail. Or what about Proverbs 22, 6, the one we're all familiar with? Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So it means that we should lead our children to follow Christ, but it doesn't mean that they will always do that. There isn't this formula that you get to follow, and, and all turns out well. So here is what is important about Proverbs. Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs are not promises. They're, they're not inflexible laws. They're general principles. They're general statements that should govern our lives. But there are exceptions. Because if you set Proverbs up to be absolute promises, you're going to get to where you might start disbelieving the Bible or you will be disappointed in who God is. So Proverbs are not promises, not inflexible Law. So, grab your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 1. Is it ever going to stop raining? That's what I want to know. If you've not been through a service here, when it rains, it gets really loud. So, go to Proverbs chapter 1. 
I want to show us the purpose. That's always good. And then we're going to go to this week's Proverbs, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. And you may have to turn me up, Clinton. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, equity, that to give prudence to the simple knowledge, discretion in the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Proverbs, it's all about wisdom. It's to teach us instruction and how to approach life and, and its difficulties and the circumstances we might find. And it's, it's to give us instruction how to live wisely and, or to increase in learning. So Proverbs is to help increase our wisdom. So wisdom to me is where truth, and you book smart people, is combined with just life experience, and you common sense people. It's like when those two come together, and you've got truth and experience, that you can then make the best possible, the wisest decision, then that's wisdom. So remember, Proverbs, general principles that should guide our minds, they should guard our actions of, of everyday life. That's what Proverbs is here for. But they're not promises, but general principles. They're going to give us insight into how to live with each other. They're going to give us insights into how to adapt to life's circumstances, how to respond to the relationships that you are in. So we're going to pursue wisdom this morning from the book of Proverbs. Go to chapter 18. So you can look through Proverbs. You're going to find things about friendship, how to interact with your neighbors, money, finances, sex, intimacy, marriage, family, parenting, how to deal with anger, justice, even aging. I'm needing that as I'm having to now wear my readers. In fact, we're going to talk next week about laziness, so don't be lazy. Come next week, we'll talk about self-control, and we're going to talk about the blessings of wisdom. But today, we're going to talk about something else. Of all the topics in Proverbs, there's one that is talked about more than any other Proverbs. There's 915 Proverbs. About 150 of them address one area, meaning one out of six Proverbs are going to deal with our words. Proverbs says more about your words than any other topic. So it's interesting, think about this. It, they tell us, research, that the average person speaks about 700 times a day. Now some of you triple that easily. Some of you, maybe you're in the hundreds or two hundreds, but on average... It's about 700 times a day you're going to speak. But let's cut that in half. It seems too high. 350 times. But if it's still too high, let's cut it in half again. 175 times a day. There are probably very few things that you and I do 175 times 
in a day. So our words matter immensely. And if you don't believe me, listen to what Jesus has to say about our words. Matthew chapter 12, in verse 33. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You broad of vipers. How can you speak good when you are evil? Out of our abundance of the heart, the mouth, it speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of the, out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account. And notice what he says, for every careless word you speak. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Meaning this, our words are a perfect reflection of our hearts. In fact, one day, the day of judgment, there'll be no need to list or account for all the things that you have done. All that we will need and all that will be needed of me is a recording of your conversations, both private and public. Now, Jesus is not saying you're justified by, you're not made right, you're not reconciled by saying all the right things and not saying all the bad things. But he's saying that your words, by what we say, are evidence whether you are a child of God. So our words are evidence of who we belong to. Our words matter and we need to take great care of the words that we speak. So our first week in this kind of pursuit of wisdom, we're going to look at the power of our words. And our words have tremendous power and we need to choose them carefully. So here's your big idea. Here's our big idea for today. Words... They can be planted as seeds, or they can be fired as bullets. They can either be planted as seeds, or they can be fired as bullets. So let's look at words are planted as seeds. In Proverbs chapter 18, beginning in verse 20, and we'll go to 21 today. It says, from the fruit of a man's mouth. So words are talked about here in kind of agricultural terms, that our words are like fruit. And fruit is the result of, of hard work. Fruit is the result of when you go out and you cultivate and, and you plant and you protect and you fertilize and you nurture this tree. The fruit is the benefits of all of that hard work. And so Solomon here is saying our words... He wants us to think of them as fruit. So just like fruit is the gift that this tree gives, our words are actually gifts from God Almighty. I mean, God has given you words. He has given you a mouth, and it is to be a gift. And God blesses us. Think about the ability to communicate, to speak, to learn, and to use our words. That's God blessing us. But notice what can happen. 
So God gives us, uh, says here in verse 20, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. And so this word satisfied can, can have two possible meanings. And you and I, we, we know them well. One can be in a good way and one can be in a bad way. Our words are like fruit. They can satisfy the needs that we have. Just like you and I hunger, we have that, that we have a way of meeting that need. And he says our words can be the same thing. And we can eat and eat the right things. And it brings us this feeling of satisfaction. So the first way is like in the right sense. It's, it's that moment when you say the right thing at the right time. And hopefully you've had some of these where you use words correctly to explain something to someone and you see them get it. And man, there's a a feeling of of satisfaction when that happens. Or you use your words and it lifts someone's spirits. Man, you just see the joy and the life coming back into them. And you can feel that. and, And it's a good feeling. You're satisfied by what you said. But this word can also mean sated. And it's the feeling of being overly full. And we all know this know this one probably way too well. We eat too much and you've got this feeling and we've all said it. Man, I'm never, I'm never going to eat again. Man, I can remember one time, I love seafood. I've always loved seafood. And we, uh, it's our 10th anniversary. And uh, Marla and I went to Crested Butte, Colorado, and we're staying in this resort, and we're snow skiing. And every night was a different themed night. And uh, we came to one night, it was called Baja, and it was all-you-could-eat seafood. And of all the seafood, I, I love crab more than anything. And I'm standing at the bottom of the largest crab mountain I've ever seen, big snow crab legs. And I've learned that even though you love something, you can get too much of it. And I'm telling you, I was miserable. You know, I think they even had to wheel me up to the room. I was so sick of my stomach. And our words can do the same thing. They can make us miserable. And it's just the opposite, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. And we've all done that. We've all said that something, that hurtful word. And you've seen that look on that person's face and you can almost feel their pain. Or you passed on some information about someone that found out to be not true and their reputation or maybe even their career was hurt. You've opened your mouth and you've watched someone just like the life or the joy just drain from their face. And so we need to remember that our words, they are gifts from God like fruits on a tree. And we need to work hard to use our words in the right way at the right time. And when we do, there is this great satisfaction that we can experience as a result of it. So our words, they need to be planted as seeds. Our words, like seeds, they can grow and they can be enjoyed by those that give them, those that plant them, and even by those that receive them. So our words, they can be planted in the life and the souls of people. But our words, they can also be fired as bullets. Look at verse 21. 
He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Meaning, your tongue, our, our tongues have this great power. In it, and there's this way of saying the right thing at the right time and the wrong thing at the wrong time. In fact, it's just another way of saying that our words matter. Our words can bring life like planting seeds. But they can also bring death like firing bullets. This word power, it actually means hand. It's, it's saying that death and life are in the hand of your tongue. It's an expression to grasp of or maybe to be under the power of. So your words, my words can bring life or they can bring death. And I think words are probably the singularly most powerful force that you have available to you. Just let me give us a couple of examples of how powerful words and how they matter. Take the idea of saving faith. Let me show you how you can take two words and change them, and everything changes. And hopefully you've had the opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And you get to that point where you're explaining the gospel, and you might say something like this, that salvation, being right with God, being reconciled with your Creator, is possible by faith and not works. And in those words, behind them are the truth that not only brings life, it brings eternal life. But just change one word. You might say to them, salvation is by faith and works. By changing not to and, everything changes. But we also think about how we can use words, and often they can be used to make sin so much more acceptable. We, we sanitize sin by our words. You know, you no longer hear things like drug addicts, but they're chemically dependent. We don't use the word adultery. We talk about people having affairs. You don't really hear the word homosexuality anymore. It's alternative lifestyle. You'll never hear the media talk about killing babies, but terminating pregnancies. And so words are powerful, and they can shape, and they can define society and culture. Words can be used in powerful ways. And our words, the scripture tells us, hold both life and death in them. This is how important, how powerful our words are. In fact, I think one of the most untruthful statements that we could hear, and you've heard it before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Now, it's a nice, it's, it's a nice phrase, but it's absolutely untrue. People die because of something that's said. In fact, tongues, I think, can be weapons of mass destruction. Launching wars with people. Think about our tongues. They can also be the death of marriages, families, friendships, churches, careers, hopes, reputations, missionary efforts, and even 
governments, our words matter. Our words hold life and death in them. And we should feel the weight of how powerful our words are. Words have this energy and power and the ability to help and to heal, but also hinder and hurt and humiliate. In fact, this week I was reading, I was reading about the guy many of you have heard of, of Nelson Mandela, and something came across a, a, a newspaper thing that I was reading, and, and he was one that, that opposed the, the South African regime, and he was in prison for almost three decades, from 1964 to 1990. And I remember watching his release and him rising to power, but, but this was a man that knew the power of words. A decade, ten years after he was released, This is what he said. It is never my custom to use words lightly. If 27 years in prison have done anything to us, it was to use the silence of solitude to make us understand how precious words are and how real speech is in its impact on the way people live and die. I mean, he knew that our words can be planted as seeds or they can be fired as bullets. So let me get a little personal for a moment. Think about the words that we might use with those closest to us. Maybe your spouse. Are you quick to correct them in a harsh or embarrassing tone? And that's firing a bullet. Are you slow to correct them in a loving and supportive way? Man, that's planting seeds. When disagreements come, man, are you ready to just fire the insults? It's nothing more than firing bullets. When disagreements come, do you stay away from those volatile words like always and never? Man, that could be planting seeds. What about whether your children or grandchildren, when you're disappointed in them, are your words degrading? Man, that's just firing a bullet at them? Or are your words meant to encourage them even when you're disappointed? And that's planting seeds. Could your words ever cause your children or grandchildren to question your love for them? And that's firing bullets. Or are your words, do they assure them of your unconditional love? And then that's planting seeds. And listen, we could go through every relationship that we have. Because listen how Gary Chapman says it. If we use our words as bullets with a feeling of superiority and condemnation, we are not going to be able to restore a relationship to love. If we use our words as seeds with a feeling of supportiveness and sincere goodwill, we can build a relationship in positive and life Affirming ways. You know, we can recover. We can recover from a lot of bad experiences. We can recover from health issues. We can recover from financial failure. But it is probably most difficult to recover from words that have been fired as bullets that are harmful, humiliating, and degrading. And listen, we've all we've all been victims of receiving those. Words that are fired as bullets. 
And truth be told, man, we have also pulled the trigger as well. Because words can make or destroy a human life. And words can fill a home with gladness just as easily as they can fill it with despair. So what are we to do? What are we to do with these truths? I think maybe before we open our mouths, no matter the situation, maybe it's just a conversation with your neighbor, a disagreement with a coworker, maybe talking with your spouse or even correcting our children. We need to stop and think, is what's about to come out of my mouth? Is am I planting seeds or am I firing bullets? Because those words, they can be planted as seeds that will grow and flourish and bless them and bless you. Or they can be fired as bullets that are going to bring death. So what is the solution? Where's where's our our help? I think one place is in Matthew chapter 15. Listen to how this reads. It says, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. But what comes out of the mouth that defiles him. Meaning this, that our problem with our words is not something that is outside. It's those harsh words that you fired and that hurtful word that you spewed. Or that degrading word that we thought. It wasn't put in us by someone else or some circumstance. It was already there. That harsh, that hurtful, that degrading word. It's already within us. And we simply are using our words to get what we want. Because naturally, we're going to use words in a very selfish way. We will fire words at people to get what we want. I want respect because you've disrespected me. I'm going to fire a bullet because that's what I'm after. You know, I've had something said to me and I want to get revenge. And so I'm going to fire a bullet Because I want revenge. Our words that we use to bring life or death, they're not created by something that is outside of us. We are sinful to the core. But I don't want us to walk away this morning discouraged. Because God doesn't, He doesn't reveal our hearts to us. And listen, we've all said those things. And you know it when you've said it. It's that moment where you wish, man, I wish I could take that word back. But God doesn't reveal our hearts to discourage us. In fact, I think the conviction over our words is proof that God loves us. Because God's not sitting back waiting for us to kind of figure this thing out on our own. He's not sitting back watching us and just waiting for us to fail. Because remember the book of Proverbs, they're not promises. But I want to show us one that is. The last verse, listen to 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power. God Almighty, His power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence. Meaning God has given you and I everything that we need to use our words to plant seeds and to not fire them as bullets. So this week, man, we need to be aware of how powerful our words are. They matter and they matter immensely. 
And we need to stop and think before we speak and think, am I going to be planting a seed in this person's life or am I just firing bullets? You know, in those moments when you plant a seed and you say the right thing at the right time, give God thanks for that. But when you fire that bullet, when you use that wrong word at the wrong time, grieve those words and then we confess them. Because our words, they can be planted as seeds or they can be fired as bullets. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.